Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Hey, welcome, Group Talk audience. Just want to invite you to the lobby gathering coming up in Southern California. Just want to let you know this is a great opportunity for you as small group point people to get together to be able to say, how can I learn from others that are doing other things that I may not know about? There's an old adage that says, you don't know what you don't know. The lobby is a great place to get learnings from others about things that you may not be tracking, things you may not even be knowing about. So at this lobby, we're going to be tackling some great issues in our together time, where we're going to be looking at church systems, where we're going to be looking specifically in the workplace environment, and how do we uh, crack that nut to be able to figure out how do we get groups into there. We're also going to be talking about some uh, higher level aspects of being able to discuss what are the trends that are seen out there across the globe in the small group ministry in the last decade that we can learn from in this current you know, trending where we're going. And then we're also going to have another uh, topic time of being able to discuss, okay, how do you franchise out what you've got? If you're into multi-sites or even if you're not into multi-sites, you need to be able to know what is happening in your system. So look forward to having you at the lobby. Go to small group network forward slash events to learn more. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and a small groups pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, as small group point people and pastors and directors, how often have you said to yourself, if only I had the money to do this or that? And we often feel stuck in our ministry because of a lack of financial resources. And But if we're perfectly honest, sometimes I think we let ourselves use that as an excuse for not doing something that we know that we need to be doing. I don't know a single leader who says, hey, we have all the money we want to run our ministry. And the reality is that we're all operating under limited resources and limited budgets. So today on Group Talk, we're going to discuss this exciting issue of budgets and finances related to small business ministry. Um, and it is, I know I say exciting a little bit sarcastically, but really, um, this is the nuts and bolts. And without the resources, we can't do the ministry. So it's really important. It's a topic we've never addressed here. So I'm really excited to have this conversation um, with Steve Gladen. Steve, thanks so much for being on the program. I'm so excited that I got slotted to talk about budgets. So, <laughs> it is. I know if anyone can make budgets exciting, Steve, it is you. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk today about the framework we need to understand before crunching the numbers, how to do more with less, um, how to prioritize the budget items, and maybe most importantly, what's the best way to ask for more money? So, Steve Gladen, if you have not heard of him, um, maybe living in the rock in small group land, he's probably the best known person on the planet for small groups ministry, um, and. He is known to everyone probably in Small Group Network because he's the founder of the network. And Steve, it's been like 10 years. I know I'm one, I'm one of the founding members of your little tribe, but yeah. has it been that long? 10 years, yeah. We're celebrating our 10th year anniversary. So we're very, very excited about what God's going to do in the next decade. So got some exciting things that we're going to roll out to the leadership team at the lobby 
And so it's uh, very exciting. I know. It's amazing. Um, God's been so good to us. So Steve has been the small groups pastor at Salvac Church since 1998. And he's written, he has such a long list of accomplishments, and we don't want to burn our time. You just talking blah, about... Blah, 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 blah. Exactly. How fantastic you are, blah, blah. So, uh, But most recently, he's written the small groups with purpose and leading small groups with purpose, which has now been translated into 11 languages, which is astounding. Okay, the latest language. This is becoming kind of a thing. Latest languages. Albanian. Wow. Okay. That is very so, cool. Well, which is not the language, but it's it's in Albania, so it'll be in their native tongue. And since they're translating, you have, do not speak Albanian. You have no idea what they're really saying in the book. <laughs> the, pitch, the pictures look the same, so that's exciting. <laughs> I, I love the quality control you have over these languages. Um, all right, Steve. So... I just want to say from off the bat, if you're listening and you're in a smaller church than Satellite, which is pretty much 99% of the planet, um, you may strike you as being a little odd that we're talking about budgets with Steve, because Steve has obviously a bajillion dollars. That's that's what we think of. Um, And most of our listeners, especially including me, we manage a much tiny budget with many fewer zeros. Um, but that was not always the case with Steve, and he has experience in smaller budgets with tight, but uh, small churches with tighter budgets. Um, he's also been all over consulting and talking to churches, so he really understands how to squeeze um, the most out of whatever resources you do have. So he actually is the right person to be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And these principles apply, right, Steve, to really any context, uh, regardless of church size and the dollar amount you might have. Yeah, and actually there are things I wish I would have known when I was in a church of uh, 200 when I first started out, and it would have been great to know today what I know back then. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's very applicable, and it's something that we tend to shy away of it from pastors because we, we get a little spooked by numbers, and we go, hey, we <laughs> want to do ministry, but we've got to understand that if, if we don't know how to manage the church calendar, if we don't know how to help manage the church finances— we're not going to be able to have the impact that we need to have. And so this is super, super critical. And if you talk to anybody on my team, I am the least person who loves to talk about budget. I have, you know, I just hate dealing with it. And that's a common frame. But I understand the importance of it and the things we're going to talk about. And if you don't do this, you're actually doing more harm to your ministry than help because you're shying away from something that you should be jumping into. That is so true. And I, I think the idea of stewardship um, with the peop- the money that we have been given, and that's a really um, sacred trust. And so I think you can't get away from budgets. So let's talk big picture. What what do we need to understand about budgets, kind of in the bigger church picture, before we actually start the number crunching? Well, I mean, I think you just said it right there. Is everything is actually before the number crunching? So before your church or your church treasurer or someone on your elder or deacon board even begins to bring this up. You've got to be thinking about the relational part of it long, long, long before the budgeting process happens. Because if you only talk about numbers when they're asking for the numbers, you're already behind the game. And so one of the first things that you would need to do is to start building the relationships. And I think everyone knows this in small group ministry. When you're working with uh, your infrastructure, when you're working with leader training, when you're working with your small group leaders, everything, the economy is relationships. And it's no different when you're talking about budget and how you're dealing with that. That's so true. Um, yeah, you need to kind of build that credibility. 
um, and would you know do well with if you've been given just a tiny bit maybe when you first start out in that job and you've done well with that then you're more likely to get a little more um, responsibly as well as, as finances so it kind of does fold uh, together um, what are some things that in big picture we need to be sensitive to when we are talking about budgets with our senior leadership yeah and I, I think another one that kind of starts even before the, the number crunching is you know, making sure your vision of your small group ministry uh, at Saddleback, we, we talk about vision and mission. Our, our vision is what are we dreaming about? Our mission is what's our purpose? It's very important that those will line up with everything else in the church as a whole. So part of what they need to be able to see big picture wise is you're on the same team. Right. You're not out on the field running a different play. You're working with them. You're trying to stay inside, you know, their size and scope. And you're the biggest champion of your uh, senior leadership that's right there. What about the issue with not necessarily senior leadership, but um, with other ministries? Sometimes it can feel like there's a pie and the pie is only is only the size it is. And senior leadership has to divide that up or you have mm-hmm. to fight for a piece of the pie. Small groups ministry does. Um, and how do you manage that part? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where sure. oh. you had to, to kind of compete in some ways for that. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many times. And I think it's almost you got to do what's countercultural. Hmm. What's, what's cultural is say you have to fight, fight, fight for every little uh, scrap that you can get off the table and work with that. But again, you know, when you look through the New Testament and you, you see how Jesus worked, it, it's important to, when you're working relationally, what's important for your church leadership to understand is that you see the big picture. You see the church as a whole, yes. which means sometimes you don't do what you think you should be doing because you want it for the greater whole of the church. Right. So I would say in other ministries, again, you want to build relationships with them because and ask hard questions of saying, if this is where our church is going, this is what we're trying to produce as a disciple, then if if you need some of my money that can help get you further down the court because it's, we're working together, mm-hmm. then then I would say you, you want to gravitate towards that. But the more you can, and to take our small group language, the more you can be better together, the more you right. can uh, start to work alongside each other and say, Carolyn, I know you're doing a different ministry, but you're my friend. And if you're, and if we're all working towards this end goal with our church, then then the conversations start happening as a macro church. Is how do you how do you make this happen? And you know we do it every time in our budgeting process. And I will tell you, it is the hardest thing to do. <laughs> Nobody comes into our meeting saying, "Oh, I will give back you know this much <laughs> money, and I don't need this many staff." But one of the things I would say to you is limitations always force creativity. Hmm. And when you're limited, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but when you're limited, your creativity rises because you've got to think a different way. And so when you're working with, you know, other church ministries, it's going to be important that you're sensitive to them, but that you're also working alongside them where where they're your friend. And part of that, again, needs to happen long before in this big picture. You need to have relationships and you need to, your first conversation with another ministry cannot be in a budget meeting. (laughs) That would not be good. Yeah, (laughs) It's got to happen when you, uh, when you can say, you know, what is your ministry doing? What are you trying to do? And show me how you align to the church because I'm always want to be a learner and find out, you know, how we can, you know, we can gravitate that. And if your senior leadership is in the position they're in, they're going to sense, you know, the, the 
the attraction part of being whole church versus saying uh, we're going to come into battle. We, you know, we always say that ministry is not a military campaign where you're coming into the budget meeting and having a war and you're going to take over certain things or you're going to downplay or cut other people out from underneath themselves. Uh, but but it's when it's a political battle. You want to come along relationally. And I know politics has a bad uh, connotation, uh, at least in, in most parts of the globe. But you want to come around and understand that the heart of it is relational to find out, you know, what are you trying to do? And, and maybe we can work better together. And that's why when we have men's, women's, couples, singles, you know, workplace and online on our team all working together, it's fun to watch them sacrificially give up something for another person, especially when you start to lay it out in the calendar year. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Um, and there's going to be seasons, and I know we had one of these where we really focused on um, high school ministry. It needed a, a revamp, and there was just stuff that needed to be done. And I could see this coming down the pike, and I knew that whatever I was going to ask for, I wasn't going to get anything. Nobody was. It was we were going to focus on this one area. Um, and our senior leadership said, I know this is going to be painful for the rest of you, but this is kind of the need right now. So we're going to pitch in. Everybody else's budget's going to be frozen, and we're going to move forward in this area. And so, of course, we gave the high school guy a bunch of grief about, you know, being all sorts of things, because that's part of the love love language of the culture. <laughs> As you should. You should hammer them. <laughs> right. You know. But at the same time, we understood, okay, this as a family, like a family. I mean, we talk about the Bible being a family system, right? I've heard you say yep. that many times and the idea that you know the, the world does want us to think that there's a scarcity mentality but in jesus economy there is and it's abundant generosity so for whatever season that may be but at the same time i was very clear in the meeting to say okay for this season let's focus here but then you know that's going to put us in, behind in some areas um, that we can't advance as quickly because we don't have the funds for so can we make sure that gets tabled for next time and, and Carolyn, you're bringing up a good point there in the, when we're talking about the big picture because it's not that you just cow down and say, okay, you can have all my money or you can have all my personnel. But it's very important for you as a leader to help them see what we always call unintended consequences mm -hmm. because nobody is thinking about the unintended consequences about doing something. But when you come alongside as a ministry leader and say, hey, I wholeheartedly support the high school ministry. But here's a couple of initiatives that may not happen, and here's some things we may not be able to do. And, and I'm fine with that, but I just want to make sure we all understand what's yes. happening because it's it's like in a family system when, you know, when you know if you got a kids that you know got to get braces or kids that are going to college, and all of a sudden other things don't happen for the the other munchkins, and so uh, yeah, like you know, vacations for the parents, yeah, that doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> Our spa treatments, they go away. <laughs> oh, okay. That's where the level you're at. All right. But yeah, yeah, that's a really excellent point, though. But it's, I think it is important to lay out. I love that. Unintended consequence is a good way to talk about it. Not in a defensive way, not in a threatening way, um, but just to say, hey, you know, we can't do X without Y. Um, mm -hmm. Here's some creative solutions we can use, but, you know, overall, this is going to impact it. All right, so let's think more critically about this, um, kind of drill down some more. So what's one of the things you can do early on to kind of do you first um, see what's in your budget that you can get rid of? Or how do you go about even tackling that? Yeah, I think I think there's many, many different things. But uh, one of them, again, it's counterintuitive. But, uh, you know, you, you obviously want to get away and you want to uh, you know, get alone with God before you, you talk about your year and your budget. Sure. Uh, as as we uh, we look in, we look at two different cycles. Uh, we almost do quarterly budgeting. 
but twice a year is when I'm starting to pull away and say, okay, where are we going? Where's the tide turning? What do we, what do we need to do? So part of it is, you know, seek, seeking God and say, God, you know, just take every ounce of selfishness away from me mm-hmm. and help me to navigate that. But the other thing, too, is you want to be a good steward. Uh, and part of that is looking at, you know, what, what have you done with what you got? Yes. And, um, and part of that is also there's, there's other people. There's a principle that uh, is very good in this budgeting process. It's actually good in church culture. It's called uh, the principle of the borrowed sword. And, huh. okay. and, and you don't have to uh, have every weapon to go into battle. But a lot of times other people have resources that you don't realize. And some of them are wisdom. And so one of the things I'd love to do is go into some of our guys who run major, major businesses. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, hey, kind of look at our finances. And especially if you get into some CFOs uh, that are, uh, you know, in your church or maybe on your church board and just asking them saying, hey, could you look at look at me? Help me think harder. Help me think more critical of my ministry. What do you where do you see I'm I'm having waste? Where do you think I'm mm-hmm. I'm not doing it right? Because your eyes and especially your team's eyes are not always the most critical thinking eyes. Uh, that's why I always love it when new people come on staff because mm-hmm. their their eyes are, are so much sharper than what we've gotten to. And so when you have somebody else look at your bills and look at you know how you spend money personally or corporately right. uh, or in your church, it, it does give you a, another part of, okay, this is how I need to think more critical by, by getting the wisdom from others uh, that are there. Oh, that's a good, good idea. Um, I've also found that sometimes, even in smaller churches, there's things that people do that are duplicate, and they don't even realize they're duplicating it. You know, so there's some economy of scale of um, combining resources with the other departments or on a night. For example, um, we have child care because of Awana programs on Wednesday nights. We always have child care then. Well, a few years ago, we realized we don't have to pay for child care on a different night. We can combine. It seems like no debt, but it took us a little while to figure out we can combine and use a night when we already have it available, and then it just costs us a little bit more for small groups ministry to have groups here rather than um, picking a whole different night. I mean, that's just a simple example, but even going from DVD to online, getting rid of the DVDs, like that saves us a bundle. Um, There are just things over time that you get used to doing a certain way, and then if you look at it with fresh eyes, you realize, do we really need this? Is there another place in the church that we can combine and, and use resources together? Well, and that's what you bring up some great points there, Carolyn, because on the point of, you know, when you're talking about combination, when you're you're looking about, you know, what things can we combine? Because many times in churches, and I can remember this in some of the churches I was in, that was, you know, I can remember there was a church when we were growing from that 250 to about 600. We had rapid growth. And we found out we were duplicating the same efforts. We were doing so many things that through economy of scale or just aligning, mm-hmm. when you align things, uh, uh, you know, there's there's even things of, you know, when you're going into the very details of budgeting like supplies, oh, you yeah. can find <laughs> out, you know, there's maybe things, there may be things you need. So, you know, one of the things we as groups people do all the time is, you know, we do banquets or we do rallies. We yes. call them gatherings. But there are other ministries that do those things far better than us, and sometimes they've tucked away stuff uh, that they haven't used. Or children's or student mm-hmm. ministries sure. has themed some things. Or if you have VBS at your church, you know, there's sets and props and things like that are, that are around there. And when you find out what everyone's been doing and you almost see uh, all, the, all the things that are out there, then there's things that you can borrow from each other. I mean, 
um, when we started mysaddleback.com, one of the things, if legalities wouldn't have gotten in the way, I wanted to do a, a, a borrow bay. Uh, <laughs> and, and that is, you know, where small group people could say, hey, I've got a ladder, uh, a 30-foot ladder. Don't go buy one. Borrow mine. And building in, into that community and that. And if the church got the same way of saying, here's all the resources I have. You know, you don't have to buy other video equipment because there may be another team that has it or there's all things. So sure. that, that's the part, you know, we were talking about combining and aligning. And then you, you bring up the, the death nail one is like, you know, what can we terminate? You know, what what is something, you know, we're we're hot on this, too, of trying to figure out, OK, how do we terminate print material? How do we terminate yes. DVD <laughs> and move to streaming where everybody's at? And so it's a it's a it's a delicate process, but it is the critical thinking that that forces us to uh, to to do without, and then God brings that creativity around that can help us, you know, go with those new areas. All right. So, if we do have a budget, whatever amount it is, uh, what are should be the top priorities for that budget? Say you only have a few thousand dollars um, after um, salaries. So then, what's the best way to spend it? Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to go uh, again uh, a little <laughs> countercultural right here, and um, and think about if I have so much budget, what percent could you tuck away so that you could help other small group ministries in your area? I remember when I was um, I was between jobs, and uh, I had a church that flew me out to uh, interview me, and I quickly realized on the interview that they weren't going to hire me. And I talked to the uh, the senior pastor at the time, and I go, um, um, well, it's, it's, I hope I don't get emotional on this, but he goes, uh, I, I go, you, you, it doesn't seem like uh, this interview just was very weird and stuff like that. He goes, he goes, oh, we're we're not going to hire you. And I go, why did you bring me out? And he goes, because you and your wife needed a break. Aww. And oh, that is so kind. And it was, it was one of those things where he goes, they carved out in their budget. And so one of the things I always do is I carve out in my budget to say, who are the guys in, and you may not be flying people out. I get that. This is not a church-wide budget. But there may be another small group pastor in your area that's going through a tough time. You're going to say, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me carve something away that's not for me. Right. But it's that it's for giving out purposes. So oh, I love uh, that. We do that with um, feeding our huddle. Uh, when yeah. we have our huddle, we take turns, and we um, sometimes other churches support it. And if they host it, then we kick in some money for that. Um, and it's not much, but it just helps a little. Yep. So it's I, I love the heart of that. All right. So after you you do the um, you know the treasure principle, and you give to back first to God's <laughs> kingdom. All right. Then what? What's your your top line item? Now we're getting into the the nuts and bolts of it. Okay. First off, leader development, leader care, yes. leader resources. You have got to, uh, you know, figure out how do I get relational infusion into the people I have. Now, sometimes that's not even expensive. It's just calling your leaders up. It's mm-hmm. it's eyeballing them on the patio of your of your church and saying, "Hey, can I just kind of come over here?" And uh, I know we don't have much time. We're between services, but you've been on my heart. I want to pray for you. But you want to get relational infusion so that they can have coffees, they can have lunches. Uh, You can go out and just start to minister. If you don't build the relationship with them, it's that whole thing we talk about. You want to speak truth into people. They won't take the truth unless they can trust you. And the only way they can trust you is if you spend time with them. 
And, and we're and we're wise about that. A lot of times, you know, we, we tell our guys, you know, we just don't have a we don't have the budget for meals, but we'll 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 help you have coffees with people and things like that. But I found more times than not, they end up paying for yes. my coffee anyway. So I mean, <laughs> but I would say, so you got to think leader care. What are those yeah. resources? What are the what are the the things that you want to infuse to help build the relational component of right. your um, of your small group ministry, which leads to the flip side of it is what can you do in leader training and resources mm-hmm. to build the cognitive side? So you want to think head, heart. You want to think uh, processes and people. You want to think through those things of saying, okay, how but how am I budgetarily starting to work alongside and thinking through right. how do I build the relational side and then how do I build the cognitive side to my leaders? And that's going to be your leader training. That's going to be your uh, community leader training, your coaches training, right. whatever you call your infrastructure those are going to be the, the cognitive things uh, that are right in there. Well, those two really go well together. Um, I, I think probably the best uh, budget item, and I would totally agree with you, number one has got to be leader, leader care, is to provide good food for uh, trainings. I used to just uh, skimp and spend more on other things and because I thought they needed books and other different stuff. Then I realized, really, for them to come to the training, they need good food. So instead of just having a little dessert or a little this and that, um, I start having them catered. And it's a chunk of my it's, – it's probably 50% of my budget is on um, food. Um, but our attendance went from maybe getting half the leaders there to now we clear 80 to 90% every time. Um, and they feel so valued. And it's really because, you know, at the end of the day, they're coming from work, they're dealing with commuting, um, and to be able to come and just kind of take a big sigh of relief and have food there makes people want to come and makes couples mm-hmm. want to come together. And it's kind of a night out. And we provide childcare, which also added quite a bit of dollars, too. Um, but I think that to them spoke value. Um, and it's, it, we consistently do that as probably a number one um, item. Yeah. So those would be my one and two. I mean, after the, you know, the giving back, the third one I would say is um, you've got to get into video and technology. Now, uh, video can be for promotional purposes, although the more personal testimonies you can get uh, from uh, the platform, uh, the more you don't you don't need the the funny videos or the the, the eye catching things, because stories will go much further than a commercial Right. Uh, but but the other thing, too, is I would say inside that video technology component is start to think through video curriculum. And if you look at discipleship and what you're trying to produce as a disciple, your curriculum is one of the greatest tools that your small groups do on a fairly consistent basis right. to help shape that disciple. And the great thing is, it's again, it's another bonding piece with sure. your teaching pastors because... Sure. Uh, you get them to do the video curriculum. And the great thing is, and I know publishers and you know, <laughs> houses are going to hate me for this, but in, in curriculum, most groups are two or three question curriculum. Uh, I mean, they're going to give you a big booklet so you feel good about paying six, seven dollars <laughs> for that booklet. But in reality, you're going to do some type of opening question. We throw it to video. You're going to do a couple discussion questions and right. then some type of application question. And I know you can build all kinds of components in there, but when you're thinking on a budget, uh, I would challenge you to start thinking through, and no matter what size church you're at, I was at a church of 250 in the panhandle of Florida that was doing great video curriculum for where they were at. 
And in today's technology, you may not be able to buy, you know, the, the fancy cameras, but your your phone may have the better sure. camera than most churches have right now. And so thinking through, uh, how do I align with my my temple courts people who tend to be high content right. and me being house to house going, how can I harness some of that content so that I can build video curriculum that gets their face in front of my, the small groups, mm-hmm. but also starts to put into them, you know, the video, uh, the video side of curriculum. So uh, you can say, you can start to catalog your curriculums, you know, on how they, how they pair with, you know, how you're trying to build health in your uh, church. Uh, and that also plays into then you can also, uh, we do a helps for host, which is about a three minute little training nugget. Uh, to watch that can help guide them through the curriculum That's a great idea. before each week. And so again, that all ties into video and technology, but using your money towards those things can start to make that happen. Yeah. And along with that is, um, and you see this on our Facebook small group network page quite a bit, people asking about databases and what works for groups and that sort of thing. Um, and if you get the right uh, right technology, it really does make things much easier. Um, and it's a big outlay initially, but I think it pays off in relationally because you can keep track of people and, and um, deliver uh, materials to them much more efficiently. All right. So in our remaining time... Well, well oh, let, me, let, me, let, let, me, let me jump in because... Uh, technology, I can know sometimes to be a black hole and how it aligns with the church. So uh, just a little side note when you're thinking about I would put more of my money on the video curriculum and video and stuff like that, because in, in reality, until we had 1500 small groups, we kept track of everybody on an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> now, granted, that is not the best way. And but if you if you're if you're going oh do I put it into technology where I can keep track of people oh no you do or, video or, first <laughs> or do I video jump into yes that. yes for sure you know what's nice about the other technology though is that you if the church is already going down that road um, mm-hmm. then you just on that train. exactly that's exactly what I waited till the church got really to a place where they were really wanting it for other data and I'm like hey we can also use that and look it cost me nothing. So yeah. it, that's always, it's good to make friends in other areas, as we've talked about earlier. All right. Yeah. And then for our final uh, area, and this is a little sensitive, um, but what is the best way to ask for more ministry dollars? Say you've maximized, you've been creative, you've been a good steward, you've done all that you can with the dollars you've been given, but you really, to go to the next level, you really need more money. Um, how do you ask for that? Well, I like to learn the budget codes of other ministries, and I just align it towards them, and you know, they never catch up. So, so. the Saddleback budget code would be... Uh. Uh, uh, there's departments. They're so busy. They don't even realize I'm spending their money. So, no, just kidding. Nice. Just kidding. Just kidding. You know, well, part of it, you have to know the love language of your church. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it depends. You know, if you're in a church that is very formal and, uh, you know, they're used to reports and things like that, then then that's the way you're going to have to lean towards that. And you're going to have to say, okay, how can, uh, it's almost like a, a logical proof, uh, you know, table of trying to be going through this, uh, you know, uh, part of saying, okay, based, based on knowing my church's love language, uh, you know, and the people who deal with the money, how do I, how do I find out what they want? And, and part of that is also, uh, you have the flip side of it. Our culture tends to be a little bit more loosey-goosey on things like that, and that can add different frustrations. Uh, but you, you're starting to go through with either one of them. you got to know, ask them, what is success? 
Mm. What are they hoping? What are they hoping to measure? Where that? Put it back in their court because you may thinking, oh, I've got to show them this, 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 and this, and they're like going, no, I want to see this and this. Mm-hmm. And and so part of you know utilizing your budget is making sure that you're aligning so that you're you're defining success the same way, and you can learn that. Another little thing, and then you can jump into it. They kind of go hand in hand. It, reporting and stories have to go hand in hand. Um, you've got to learn how to report what's actually working. Uh, and, and part of that is your job. I mean, long, I mean, you may get more budget money, but at some point in time, we're, st- we're going to stand on the other side in front of Jesus and, and he's going to have a little bit cleaner accounting system. <laughs> so it's, it's up to us to find out what is really working and what do we need to do? You got to be critical on yourself. We talked about that earlier, right. but you need to report the things that, you know, your church is looking for, and, and that can only happen from knowing that. But if you just report numbers, you know, how many people got saved, how many people got baptized uh, in groups, uh, you know, how many new groups we started, how many we retained, things like that. Um, you you want to have some heart behind that because it's very easy for us to get into a, uh, the larger a church gets or the more formal a church is, it's very easy to get into the nuts and bolts and you can forget very quickly why we do this. Right. And that's why it's so important to have the stories of changed lives. I mean, I can almost say with confidence, every church is going to want to measure changed lives. Um, whether yep. that's stepping yep. across the line of faith or that's the sanctification process. So you've got to set metrics up in place, you know, throughout the year to capture stories and to capture all the metrics, depending on, you know, what is that success benchmark uh, for your church. Yeah, that's so true. I, I also think, you know, being able to look ahead. So say your church is growing at 3, 5, 10%, whatever, then you're likely to see some, hopefully some growth in a small group area, and that might require additional funding. You know, it's more food, more resources, et cetera. And I try to look ahead and go, okay, if, the, if we're going to keep growing pace with, aligned with the church, then we're probably going to need a little more here or there. Um, and I think really the, there's really no great way to ask for money. It's just, it's going to be awkward. And so I kind of start there and I go, okay, here's where we're at. Here's, here's what I would like. And then in my head, I kind of know, okay, here's, I know how the, where the church is at. Pay attention to the bigger numbers. And so um, I try to well, make it reasonable at the same time. Yeah, and I think part of that, too, is, you know, we've always got to keep the vision in front of the yeah. church because churches are, uh, they chase shiny optics all the time. <laughs> um, you know, in our culture, we go squirrel and, you know, we're, we're, right. we're sidetracked. And so often we got to keep bringing them back to what are we trying to do? What are we trying to mm-hmm. accomplish? And so uh, part of that in asking for more money is when they see due diligence, when they see that you're staying focused in the in the vision side of it, there's also an opportunity, and it may not be for the current year, sure. but you always want to keep vision in front of people to be able to say, hey, this is what I'm dreaming about. And, and I know we're not there right now, but so your vision will help them. Uh, it's kind of like the uh, uh, the Novocaine before you're going to extract one of their financial molars out of your church. <laughs> Uh, you know, wow, what a, what a lovely analogy. <laughs> it's less painful, but give it time to work. Uh, Before but, the root canal, yes. Yes, but you, you want to be able to come to your church leadership and to say, you know, keep 
keep the main thing in front of the church. We're great at starting things. We are terrible at stopping things. That's uh, because we want everybody to love us and we don't want to stop anything. Well, the timing so, piece is so important. I mean, that yeah. the Novocaine comes before for a reason. I almost feel yeah. like I try to give a heads up a few months before we're actually sitting down talking about budgets to say, hey, you know, I may this may come up. We may need more just to kind of put it out there. And uh, we sometimes we, we hear this from senior leadership world. They'll get hijacked by um, somebody on staff. Um, and on their way, like, to the restroom or something, and someone will be like, hey, I need you know, XYZ. That is not a good time to talk yeah. to senior leadership. So just, I think, paying, paying attention to the timing, to the tone in the room, to when it's an appropriate ask, um, I think that makes a difference. We know this from parenting. You know when they ask us when we're tired, when we're likely to say, say yes, and yeah. they totally forget that we've said yes. So timing matters. If they're not fed and if they're not well slept, then it's going to be an <laughs> ugly conversation. So, uh, maximize success by paying attention to the timing and the season of mystery. And here's one more thing. Um, I remember when uh, Eric Geiger uh, wrote uh, um, the transformational groups, and they did mm-hmm. all that. St- Lifeway did all these studies um, on you know what are measurements of success in discipleship in groups. And um, this one, one little chart said um, if people were more likely to give financially to the church if they were in a small group. They also mm-hmm. said a bunch of other things. They were likely to evangelize, to pray, blah, blah, blah. Those were mm-hmm. all spiritual measurements. Those were fantastic. But the one I really latched on to, and I told Eric this for job security was, and for budget purposes was, if you have people in groups and they're committed and building life together, they're more likely to give. Like study after study has shown this. And I said, now mm-hmm. you've given us data. Um, for that, and you have served the small group appoint leaders well by giving us data. And so, whenever I see any articles that kind of talk about commitment to the church and how yeah. people who are in small groups are committed, more committed to the vision of the church, we can include serving, giving, ministry, all those things. All those measurements go up when you're in a group. That yeah. that is actually a really helpful thing to keep in your back pocket to point out um, because that actually helps the church move forward in a bigger way. Yeah, wholeheartedly too. I mean. And again, it's it's one of those things where you, churches are all on a different bell curve of, of adapting to both temple courts and house to house. There's no doubt over the last century, the church has been more focused on temple courts. That's what they've known. That's what they pour their money into. So you're going to have to understand that when you're changing your church culture, if they're a stats culture, then that book is going to be very helpful. If it's a more of a relational, personal culture, then you start to help people from their church body share, you know, this is what it's done for me. You yes. bring testimonies up. And again, uh, you always want to video all the testimonies because you never know when you're going to need them because your church culture will shift and, and ebb and flow with different things. So you, you want to keep an arsenal uh, together <laughs> of uh, all kinds of things that your, your church culture may want. But understand the rate of change is going to be different for every church. Oh, that's that's really true. Um, thank you so much, Steve. Is there any final thoughts? I know we run out of time, but it's so worth it. Is there anything final you'd like to say to encourage us as we talk about money and budgets? Well, I mean, just is all things with with finances and stuff like that. You know, you want to think developmentally. You think crawl, walk, run, and so you know, start thinking through. Depending on where your church culture is, where your budget's at. Uh, I can remember when my budget was fifteen hundred dollars, and uh, so. You know, you're like going, you know, I could sneeze and spend that. Uh, but but you, you just want to, you want to start small. Be faithful with what you have. Mm-hmm. And God will see that, you know, use a lot of the principles that we've talked about here uh, in, you know, for to help you build a case 
But a lot of times you're the conscience of the church for the house-to-house movement, and you have got to help them understand when God built the church, temple courts, and house-to-house. He did it for a reason. And so it's going to be important for you. You can't abdicate that because your church is poor or you don't have anything, but you've got to jump in and help your church understand if they don't do this, they're going to be hurting themselves. Wow. It's a great exhortation. This is true. Um, So thank you so much, Steve. You can follow Steve on all kinds of social media. And Steve is super active on our Facebook page. Even when he's off in other parts of the world and country, um, he pops up on Facebook. So if you have any questions for him further on this topic or any other topic, uh, feel free to post that on our Facebook um, network page. It's uh, really helpful, and I love reading your comments. Sometimes they're they're quite humorous as well, (laughs) as always. So, I like to keep a smile. Like smile. <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes a little, little snarky, um, but there you are. Um, so thank you so much, Steve. God bless you and your ministry. Um, we so appreciate it. All right. God bless you, too. Thanks, Carolyn. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Group Talk. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a positive rating on iTunes. I love reading those comments. They're so encouraging to us. And it also helps other small group ministry leaders find us. So we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect Connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.